Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. And I'm Tom Boone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up in today's show, Joe will give us an update on how American Airlines finished the quarter, and I'll see how things are going with the brand new Berlin-Brandenburg Airport. I'll take a look at whether the middle seat is still being blocked by any airlines, and Tom will talk about Europe's Boeing 747s. Finally, Joe will tell us why Boeing has been releasing a live virus onto a plane. So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. I think I'll kick off today, Tom, (laughs) just uh, because I usually do. Why not? (laughs) Uh, You know, why why fix what ain't broke? Mm. So I wanted uh, just a quick sort of rundown on how American Airlines was doing. It's tis the season for quarterly reports. And uh, so it, it's good to keep a keep abreast of some of the biggest airlines in the world and mm. uh, see how they're doing. So as expected, losses were huge. It was a 2.4 billion net loss um, for American Airlines, which I guess was to be expected. Um, overall revenues were down 73%. And this was all largely as a 60% reduction in available seat miles. Um, But on the upside, the airline has been doing some rather aggressive cost cutting. um, And as a result, it finished the quarter with 15 billion of liquidity. um, And it's actually managed to remove around 17 billion from its operational and capital budgets. Um, Obviously, a lot of that was done through the massive amount of reduced flying, (laughs) because that's going to drive down your operational budget, isn't it, when when you're not flying very many flights. But uh, also notable, was it is deferring 18 of its Boeing 737 MAX deliveries. So, eight that were due to arrive next year will now not come until 2023. And another 10 that were due to come the year after, so 2022, were now coming in 2024. Um, obviously, this is understandable given the fact that they've really got to not spend so much money um, going forward. And because of the kind of reduced um, passenger loads that are forecast to go on for quite some time. So, um, American Airlines, however, it's not a vote of no confidence in the MAX. They're really looking forward to having it back by all accounts. Um, and they've begun putting it on schedules for December, which is fairly optimistic, seeing as it hasn't actually been cleared to fly just yet. Um, but uh, Interestingly, because they know there's an issue with passengers and, you know, how they feel about this particular aircraft, after Thanksgiving, they're going to be opening their um, 737 MAX for tours, which I thought was quite a cute way of dealing with it. So, they're going to have pilots and mechanics on hand to discuss the airplane. Um, because of the COVID issue, they're not going to be on the plane, but they're going to be like on a an audio feed or something. I'm not quite sure how they're going to deal with that operationally. But yeah, it's really just to restore passenger confidence, get them to have a look around the aircraft, get them to ask all the questions they want to ask so that they feel more confident to fly. Um, And they have promised that passengers will be notified if they're booked to fly on a MAX and will be allowed to switch to a different flight with no penalties. 
Um, and they're also already currently notifying passengers for some other reason, which is if the planes are getting full. Um, and I listened to a, an interview with their managing director, Rep Workman, a couple of weeks ago. And he noted that despite the fact they're telling passengers when planes are getting full, only somewhere between 2 and 4% actually take them up on the offer to switch. Um, we'll come back to that a bit later because I want to talk about the middle seats and, and this uh, capacity issue that the US airlines are dealing with. But uh, just on further American Airlines news and what was kind of revealed in their in their quarterly results. So they're working on simplifying their fleet. Um, fleet simplification is something we hear a lot about, but what on earth does that actually mean? Um, well, for American Airlines, <laughs> they used to operate eight families of aircraft and now they're down to just four. So their future fleet will be just the A320 family, both CO and NEO, the 737, which will be both the next generation and max, and the 777 and 787 for their long haul. So since the start of the pandemic, they've phased out an incredible amount of aircraft and types of aircraft. So the A330, 757, 767 and E190 are all gone, gone for good. Um, and the A330s were actually a bit of a surprise because 15 of them, um, they've been stored in Roswell in, in the desert, you know, but they, they're being maintained and their average age was only eight and a bit years. So it was fully thought they'd be coming back. Um, but in the quarterly results, they just put a pay to that and said, no, they're definitely not coming back ever. So, you know, that's some really young aircraft that are being retired and hopefully they'll find new lives somewhere else. Um, but as well as reducing the types of aircraft they're flying, they're reducing what they call their subfleets as well. So, you know, when airlines merge or um, acquire new aircraft or lease different aircraft, quite often they've got different configurations and different um, sort of interior layout. So they're, they're kind of classed as a subfleet depending on how many seats they've got. So to make life easier for them, um, they're harmonizing the, the fleet types together. So for example, the A321, um, they've normally got 181 or 187 seats depending on where they came from in the first place. They're all being densified, which is a nice way of saying they're squishing a few more seats on. <laughs> so they're going to have 190 seats as standard across all the aircraft in that type. Um, the 737s as well, um, they're going to 172 seat configuration in line with the incoming 737 MAX. So basically it means from the air airline's point of view, they can swap equipment in and out as necessary without having to bump passengers or without flying aircraft with empty seats. So that's a, a good thing and obviously much easier to, to manage. Um, and they're, they're kind of really pushing forward with these retrofits now. I guess it's kind of a symptom of having so many aircraft on the ground. It's like a good time to be doing this. Um, so they're looking to finish the 737 retrofits next year and the A321 retrofits the year after. Um, so from the airline's point of view, it makes sense and it's a good thing. From the passenger's point of view, it's going to be a bit more squeezy on American Airlines narrow bodies. And uh, there's some pretty scathing remarks about the size of the lav. <laughs> I haven't tried it myself. But uh, yeah, if you're a large person, you might want to go before you get on is all I'll say. 
<laughs> so that's my uh, American Airlines update, Tom. I hope you were enthralled by that little summary. I was. Um, it was quite quite interesting. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're very welcome. And uh, so, do tell me about uh, about Germany's brand new airport. Well, so I mean, it's not really brand new. It's new, but um, I think you can't call it brand new because it's been ten years in the making now. But um, Berlin's new airport is finally, finally, finally set to open about 10 years after it was originally meant to open because um, (laughs) obviously this airport has now been built for a long time, but um, I think they were about a month away from opening, you know, like, and everything had been signed off. And then um, somebody decided that the fire suppression system wasn't um, up to code or something. So couldn't open it. Um, And um, they pushed... Um, push the opening back, push the opening back, push the opening back, push the opening back, and uh, it became sort of a bit of. Um, it was like a standing a white... joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like everyone's like, oh, um, it, 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 it's never going to open, you know. Like um, it became a joke of like, will this happen before Berlin yeah. opens? <laughs> like um, the seven three seven Max getting ungrounded. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to mention that one, but that was in my mind. Um, and it seems like, no, it won't actually, because Berlin is, the new airport is finally set to open at the weekend. I um, don't believe it. <laughs> because, I mean, in the meantime, there's been all sorts of problems, you know, um, they built this thing and then they were going to open it, but not, and then some of the problems include the the one that absolutely cracks me up every time I see the photo is that they've put escalators in that are too short. Um, so you get... <laughs> No, no, no. You get off at the end of the escalator and then you have to walk up another two steps. Oh, for God's sake. Um, it's it's hilarious. And um, obviously, you know, these airport screens um, where they show all of the flight departures have a set life. Um, and they were all installed 10 years ago. And I remember reading a year or two back that they were already having to replace these screens because they'd reached the end of their service life. And oh, for goodness never sake. showed a single flight. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was kind of starting to get exciting earlier this year because um, Lufthansa announced that they were going to move to the airport alongside a lot of other airlines. And Lufthansa and EasyJet actually, and Ryanair, to be fair, started using the airport to store their aircraft. Um, because, I mean, there's lots of empty tarmac space. Why not use it? <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. So sort of the first big step in the opening of this airport took place on Saturday. Uh, no, so yesterday, sorry, when um, the IATA winter timetable kicked in. Um, and that saw um, the old Schoenefeld air, airfield that you are loving. Um, I don't like Schoenefeld at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry if you work at Schoenefeld or it's your favourite airport. I'm not a fan. Well, <laughs> That's anyway, all I'll it's, say. <laughs> it's now called um, Berlin Brandenburg Terminal 5. Um, oh, because obviously these two airports were built adjacent to each other, so they're just going to become one big airport because it just gets confusing otherwise. Um, and rather than keep the old name, they're going with the new name. So um, officially, Berlin-Brandenburg Airport is open and operational, but it's only the old Terminal 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Saturday, we will be down there, Simple Flying, me and Simple Flying, um, to <laughs> welcome EasyJet and Lufthansa. Are They're going to complete a parallel landing on the two cool. runways um, to sort of mark the official opening. And then Sunday, the 1st of November, is when Terminals 1 and 2 sort of actually begin getting used by, I think, Qatar and Turkish off the top of my head. Cool. Um, 
but that's not going to be it's not going to be like you know a lot of when these airports open it's just overnight it opens everyone moves there and it's chaos you know yeah um, yeah we're not going to have that in berlin because um there's the old airport is staying open for another week so the big carriers like lufthansa and air france um that use berlin quite a lot actually aren't going to swap over to the new airport until a week after it's opening so that gives some some time to iron out any little kinks um Good. but yeah i'm excited i'll be heading down there and i'm sure i'll have lots more to tell in next week's podcast about what actually happens at the opening so um, yeah, watch this space I'll be looking forward to seeing it yeah definitely <laughs> I just hope uh, they have better weather than we had for the 747 departures and they're actually able to do this uh, simultaneous parallel yeah, runway I think, business um, I think don't quote me on this but I think um, it's something to do with the runway spacing um, because I think on the 747 departure um, they needed to be able to keep a minimum uh, a visual clearance of each other which wasn't possible okay. because of the visibility but I think the runways at Berlin are sufficiently separated so that it would be okay. Oh, good. Well, we'll look forward to that. It should make yeah. for a nice little uh, photo or video or whatever you choose to do. But do share it with us, as I always, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> so watch this space. As usual. <laughs> uh, so I wanted just to touch on um, one of the things that really has been a characteristic of this pandemic, I think, is uh, whether or not you want to sit in the middle seat. And obviously nobody does want to sit in the middle seat because, uh, <laughs> well, you're weird. What can no, I say? I mean, like, you know? If I get on a plane, I'm happy, you know. Yeah, true, true, true. I'd be happy to sit on a middle seat just to fly anywhere at the moment. Yeah. But under normal circumstances, it's like the luck out seat where you, you're having to share your armrests it's and the fight Ryan for bag seat. space. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was very welcome when airlines started blocking the middle seat um, under the guise of social distancing. Now, this wasn't really a thing in Europe as much as it was in America. And for a mm. while in the US, Almost all the airlines were refusing to sell the middle seat to give people a little bit of space. Um, but it didn't last very long. American and United literally weeks later began selling full flights. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, they are advising passengers if the flights are getting full and allowing them to change. Um, but now there are more airlines joining in with starting to sell the middle seat. And we've said all along that it's not economical to keep this middle seat yeah. blocked. You know, you're talking about one third of the seats unavailable for sale on the flight. So yeah. it's I mean, understandable, really. Um, so, yeah, since mid-October, um, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, JetBlue has been selling more seats, but they're using some quite intelligent software and um, algorithms to actually predict how many people are going to turn up and, and which people are traveling together and to try and make it so they can sell more seats while still giving solo travelers that empty seat right next to them so um but now um southwest had promised to block seats through to thanksgiving and has now confirmed that they will open all seats for sale from the first of december um so that could be met with mixed reactions uh, judging by what i saw on their twitter feed most of those were not very good <laughs> so um so yeah they they're hoping to sell some packed flights over christmas um and it's if you look at the numbers it's understandable because they they estimate um southwest estimate that blocking already this year has cost it 100 million dollars um so despite the lower number of travelers they think they lost about 20 million in each of september and october 
October. And then in November, because of the bump of Thanksgiving traffic, they reckon they're going to lose about 60 million. Um, And so there's going to be another big bump in December, hopefully due to Christmas and New Year. So really, they they want to be selling as many of those seats as possible. It's what's going to see them through um, with a little bit of income until the the holidays, the kind of summer holiday season kicks off again next year. They have cited the scientific studies as part of the reason, which I talked a little bit about last time, about the airflow in a cabin and and how you're more likely to be hit hit by lightning than uh, catch coronavirus on a plane. Um, So now it is just Alaska Airlines and Delta who are continuing to block seats. Um, Alaska previously said it would block until Thanksgiving, but now it's extended that through to January the 6th. Um, Delta, I think they've been one of the fiercest advocates of the middle seat block, really. They've always been very vocal about their commitment to not sitting you next to somebody else. Um, And it has confirmed it will block until the first week in January. Um, But their CEO, Ed Bastian, actually said that they may well continue well into next year. Um, So my issue now is, right, if we're supposed to believe these scientific studies that you're not going to catch coronavirus on a plane because social distancing is achieved even when you're sat next to somebody. Are these airlines undermining that research with their continuing block of the middle seat? Or are they just trying to give passengers... I don't really understand what the message is that we're supposed to be taking home here. I think... uh, Don't quote me on this, but my sort of understanding of it is that Yes, this is what the research says, and the research is legit. But um, you know, it's it's not as simple as saying to a passenger, "Oh, this says it's fine." So you know, like um, that's not just. I think the problem is the 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 research is not getting rid of the passenger's worry. Um, yeah. I think you're right there. Um, No, I think you're right. And there's a a real lag in, you know, because we're in the industry and we're listening to the industry all the time, we're kind of reading all this stuff. But there's a real lag between this information being provided and it actually filtering through to the passengers. Mm -hmm. And then, as you say, it depends whether they believe it or not. So, yeah, um, yeah, we... I also think it's interesting that we've even got into the middle seat thing in the first place in the US because... Like I say, you know, I've flown Ryanair how many times since April? Yeah, um, many. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, every time, almost every time I've been allocated a middle seat, you know, it's um, thankfully the flights haven't been that full. So I've like moved to an aisle or a window um, each time. But it's, you know, I'm prepared to sit in a middle seat if um, if I need to, because at the end of the day, you know, like, Ryanair said it's safe, Boeing said it's safe, Airbus has said it's safe, Embraer has said it's safe, United said it's safe. Yeah. Uh, did it, like, there's no, I, I haven't seen so much um, studies pointing that it's not safe as to it is no, safe. No, that's know? it. That's it. But I guess, yeah, I guess these airlines are doing what they can yeah. to, and I mean, if for it was what's a big right problem, for them. If it was a big problem, then we would really know about it. You know, like there would be oh, yeah. all sorts of like, <laughs> oh, um, ten you know, ten I think people the lack of... walked on this plane without COVID and walked yeah. off with it. So, yeah, yeah. Like no, no, news, no news is good news in this case, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, good luck to Delta in Alaska. I guess mm. they're doing... They're, they're doing this not on a scientific basis, but really just, to, I, I don't know, to get their share of the traffic or to give yeah. their customers the confidence. But uh, I don't blame the, the mean, other airlines for opening the seats, I have to say, because it's, you know, it's a huge amount of revenue that's being I lost, can, like uh, Southwest pointed out. Uh, like, right 
in sort of April, March, April, May, um, I can understand it was a selling point, you know, but now yeah. people are returning to the air in the US. The demand is returning slowly, but surely, you know, we got over a million TSA passengers last week um, yeah, in one yeah, day. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the, the need for it to be a unique selling point has kind of expired at this point. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see when we mm. uh, when we see their next results or <laughs> yeah. when we see their end of year results, how much of an impact this uh, this move had. Either they'll get a load more passengers than the other airlines and have done very well, mm. or they'll have uh, just undersold all their flights and have not done very well at all. So uh, <laughs> watch this space, as you'd say, Tom. <laughs> you have to wait and see. <laughs> so fill me in on what's happening with the 747 in Europe. So what isn't happening with the 747 in Europe? So um, I'll start very briefly by saying that Lufthansa is still flying 7478s past my window every day. Um, Good. So we've covered Lufthansa. Let's move on to KLM. <laughs> <laughs> um, so KLM has sort of been an interesting one because um, at the start of last week, um, they reported that they'd, because um, obviously, you know, with KLM, they retired the 747. And then I think like less than a month later, they're like, oh, it's coming back. Um, mm -hmm. So KLM, they've completed over 100 flights now with um, cargo loaded into the passenger cabin of the 747. Um, and it seems like 100 was really the target because... That was um, last Thursday, so a week, um, a week and a bit ago now, um, that they completed that, and then on Sunday they retired the seven four seven. Finally, um, I mean, oh. I think they still have some cargo ones in the mix, but the sort of passenger seven four seven is um, gone now. Gone now, right? Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a sad one because um, it was very sort of um, the the dep uh, departure of the seven four seven from the fleet was kind of very hush-hush from um, KLM. They didn't really make a big deal of it like British Airways did. Um, although um, the blue 747 has been iconic, especially with the um, that photo of them landing in um, San Martin. Oh, yes, of course, um, yeah. Which I've probably said wrong. Which I... <laughs> I've never, I've never been on the beach to see that, and I'm sad I never will be. Yeah, it's, it's a shame, but it's... There's going to be other amazing aviation things that we can do, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it's just, um, but yeah, it's not only been sort of KLM that's um, been making news with its 747s, so to say. Um, Lufthansa, um, not Lufthansa, British Lufthansa, British Airways, um, <laughs> has um, saved two of its 747s from the scrap heap in the past week. Um, so the first one was um, Golf Charlie India Victor Whiskey, um, which was sent to Dunsfold Aerodrome in Surrey. And anyone who's seen Top Gear will know this um, as the Top Gear test track. Um, oh, yes. But it does have a functioning runway, which you can land a 747 on. I did uh, not know that. Well, I mean, you, the first one that was there had to get there some way, obviously, but um, it's still doable and um now there's two ex british airways 747s the um 747-200 has some weird sort of james bond engines fitted to it that really make me cringe uh every time i see it <laughs> um but this aircraft is going to stay in its british airways livery um and it's going to be available sort of as an exhibition as much as it is as a film set that's really cool 
I'm really but, looking forward to being able to go and see it. Yeah, I'm slightly jealous that you're so close to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other interesting thing is, so that's a film set. So let's say, I don't know, um, let's say the next James Bond is filmed on that fi- um, that plane, just for, um, just for the point of this. Um, we could actually see that film inside another British Airways 747 because today the airline revealed that it's... Uh, Nagus Retrojet is going to become a cinema at Kemble. Cool. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure how you turn a 747 into a cinema. Like, is everyone just going to watch the film on the IFE screen in economy class? Or, <laughs> you know, I'm a bit confused as to how this is going to work, but um, I'm definitely interested. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, as well as and a that's cinema. That's livery, in my opinion, by the way. It is, you know, like, I mean, it was an interesting one because I remember just. A year and a bit ago, standing in Heathrow, welcoming this livery um, to the airport, and now it's gone. Um, which but is, not for is, good, thankfully. No, no, it will be saved, which is nice. Um, we don't know what's happening with the other ones yet, with BOAC and uh, Landor. Um, obviously, a lot of people are hoping that um, it does get saved, but... We'll just have to wait and see, watch this space. Um, <laughs> and sort of the last sort of little thing I wanted to touch on was a nice story that I came across um, with Golf uh, Charlie India Victor Mike and any sort of frequent readers of our uh, site who's seen pictures of a One World Boeing 747 being broken up. Um, that is the plane I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. um, it was really nice, actually, because I was chatting with a gentleman called Ant Friedel, um, and he's the founder of tailfins.co.uk. And he sort of got a load of uh, a couple of sheets from the tailfin of this aircraft um, and cut it up into um, key rings so that people could own a bit of one of the 747s that was retired. So um, I managed to grab one of these little key rings. Um, I think it was 102 um, off my top of my head, but I need to double check that. And um, it's really nice because um, he's sort of made them like tail fins in this, that sort of shape. And what I like about them is that they're different colors, you know, like um, usually so many of these little tags that you get from aircraft are just white. And yeah, um, I mean, I've got one from Thai Airways Boeing 747 that's just white, but um there's it's a couple. There's cool. some that had single colours from this um, set, but uh, a lot of them had like blue or black or red, sort of intermixed into it. So each one has like a sort of unique pattern. Um, a lot of them had dots, didn't they? And, yeah. Uh, it took me a minute to figure out that actually that Union Jack f- flag on the tail is made up yeah, of lots of little dots. You just it's kind not of a see solid it as thing. a no. Yeah. You just kind of see it as like a fade to white, but it's actually yeah. lots of lots of dots. So that's pretty cool. But I know you were interested in one. Did you get one in the end, Joe? I did. I got the one you recommended. Was it 114? <laughs> oh, um, I think so, so yeah. Yeah, the, it's like the, mostly the blue right with a bit of white mine. on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. So, uh, mm. And I like the fact that you can order like an individual one, yeah. um, you know, and, and kind like of pick you're your design. Get whatever. Yeah. That's it. No, it's it's very cool. And obviously not what we want to see happen to a 747. Yeah. But if it's got to go, it's got to go. I'm just but waiting yeah, for I him thought... to make some lovely Virgin Atlantic ones now <laughs> because I truly love one of them. I'll put you in contact. Maybe you can set it up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, I mean, they made 190 of these and they sold out sort of within the, the day. So um, lucky to get them, I guess. Wow. So they were all sold out by now? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hadn't realised. I'm, I'm glad I got day. my order in when I did because I was dithering yeah. a little bit and I thought, you know, I dithered over other tail fins and, and key yeah. rings and stuff and then lost out. So I thought, no, I'll go for it this time. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was me with the A380s when they did it. I missed out. But um, what was interesting about this aircraft was that um, you may remember I wrote a story in February about um, one of David Cameron's bodyguards leaving a gun in um, a World Traveller Plus toilet. Oh, yes, I do yes, remember that. That was this aircraft. All oh, right. <laughs> I take it all guns have been removed from the airframe now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Okay, so just to round things off today, um, I'm sorry, listeners, to ramble on about the <laughs> coronavirus and in-flight transmission, but I, I do feel like it's a really important thing to get out there is the amount of research and studies and findings that are going on to um, uncover whether we are safe to get on a plane. Um, so the um, this recent week, Boeing revealed... Um, that they've been doing live virus testings. So they've been releasing an actual live virus onto a 737 so that they can test out how their cleaning products work and their cleaning methods. Um, so, you know, we talked last time about the way viruses travel around the cabin air. This is about surface-to-surface -surface transmissions or surface-to-hand. So it's known as fomite transmission and it's about, you know, where viruses can survive on a surface for a little while. Um, and it's all part of Boeing's Confident Travel Initiative. So we've seen quite a few cool things from Boeing, such as their UV wand and antimicrobial coatings. Um, and the whole Confident Travel Initiative works through three steps. So step one is stopping the virus getting on the plane. Step two is keeping the aeroplane free from the virus. And step three is maintaining a healthy cabin environment. So step one is obviously covered already really by sort of health checks, temperature checks at the airport, testing if there is that, having clean hands, wearing a mask, all that sort of thing. And um, step three is like the airflow studies that we discussed last week. So this one is step two. This is keeping the airplane free from viruses. Um, so Boeing's obviously doing a lot of work with its aircraft cus airline customers, um, giving them advice on how to clean their planes effectively. And they wanted to prove these techniques were actually effective in a real world environment. So they used a human safe live virus called MS2. Um, now, MS2 is actually proven to be more resistant to cleaning than SARS-CoV-2, which is the COVID-19 virus. Um, and they actually got live cultures of this virus and applied it to high touch points on the 737, which included like the tray tables, armrests, seat cushions, stowage bins, um, in the loo and in the galley, places like that. And then they got the regular cleaning team to come in and do their usual clean. So nothing out of the ordinary, just how they'd normally clean a 737. And then they analysed the areas with swabs, um, which got sent off to the University of Arizona to see if it had killed the virus, if they'd successfully killed the virus. And they did the tests both on the ground and in flight at various altitudes with different, you know, kind of confounding factors in play. Um, and they were focusing on testing the four things that Boeing recommends for cleaning, which is chemical disinfectant, electrostatic spraying, antimicrobial coatings, and their ultraviolet whizzy wand thing. Um, I love and obviously that. ultraviolet whizzy wand thing. <laughs> I want to well, get a, a key ring with that on. Ultraviolet whizzy wand thing. <laughs> So 
they obviously didn't like use all four methods in every single area. There's like a specific method that's recommended for a particular area. So like on the tray tables, they'd likely clean it with disinfectant and then apply an antimicrobial coating, which should, in theory, kill viruses on contact for like two or three days. Whereas in the cockpit where you can't be getting things wet, they use the UV wand to sterilize the area. So anyway, the University of Arizona took the swab samples back and found that 99.999 recurring percent of virus particles had been eliminated. So, um, and just to double check, they also took materials from the plane, so actual bits of um, headrests and armrests and tray tables, and then tested them in the lab with the live coronavirus. Um, and what they found was that, yes, MS2 is actually more resistant to cleaning than the COVID-19 virus, and that the cleaning methods are 100% effective or 99.99999% yeah. effective against coronavirus. Well, I mean, so, that's like those um, disinfectant adverts that you see on TV. I guess they just can't say 100% because then somebody's no. going to say, well, I used it. and Yeah, <laughs> there was like yeah. one tiny weeny bit of a virus left. I don't know how you'd find that out, but there you go. So basically, overall, it was a world first. Nobody's ever tested a live virus on a plane. So that was quite exciting. And it gives Boeing's airline customers and hopefully its passengers too um, a bit of confidence that these methods airlines are using to clean their planes do actually work. Um, does it make you feel any safer, Tom? I don't think you felt unsafe anyway the number yeah, of times you've flown. Yeah, I think you're but... right with that. You know, like, I don't think it really affects me just because I'm happy flying anyway. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's as long as you take the precautions yourself, um, Yeah. you know, it's um, not that bad. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think... Um, I think one of the interesting things to come out of coronavirus is the amount of research and investment and innovation that's going on in aviation. And these are things that are sticky. You know, I think these enhanced cleaning and, you know, using UV to clean things and stuff like that that we've never seen before, all of that's going to stay long term. So, you know, whether we get a vaccine for COVID or whether we don't, you know, whether we learn to live with it or get herd immunity or whatever the outcome is when and it will happen again when it does happen again we're going to be so much more prepared you know there's going to be all this toolbox of things to do to make us safe um that's come out of this so i do like to look for silver linings in things even when there aren't very many and i i think this is one of those things it's one of the the cool parts of a crisis is the the innovation that's going on yeah cool i think so too I agree. So I think uh, I think I've probably witted on quite enough today. Mm. Um, we'll call it a day there. But uh, yeah, I, I promise not to talk about coronavirus and scientific testing next week. <laughs> I'll talk more about planes and less about uh, coronavirus. So hopefully, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about anyway. Berlin Airport and probably British Airways. Knowing me, <laughs> that, yeah, that would be predictable. Well, mm. we do hope you enjoyed our podcast, and as always, we welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.